you may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your comments and questions to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many as I can. Finally, at least for me, it is. it was snowing. We had a snowstorm this week, and the kids build snow mountains, I don't know, and sledding, and it was freezing, and school was off, and the roads were horrible, and I love it. I mean, not the bad roads, but I like snow. I like to get out there. I know it's already February, and we would have rather snow back in January. But okay, we got snow. Okay, I know New York, New Jersey got pummeled. They're getting hit again. My wife actually um, flew in to help the kids with some stuff and see her new granddaughter. Um, So she was supposed to drive the kids somewhere this morning, and the snow is horrific there. Just it came down. I don't know what she did. Um, so the plan is she'll come back tomorrow morning if the airports are open. If not, she'll get to stay for the weekend. And me and the other children will be home and enjoying a cozy home. And we'll just make Shabbos and we'll make do without her this week unless she makes it back. But okay. This week's Torah portion is all about donating, all about charity, all about building. Um, it is called Truma. This is the first of five Torah portions that will discuss the building of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the, the place where God's presence will rest for the 40 years in the desert when the Jewish people go into the land of Israel a lot of it will still be used, or the gist of it will be used in a place called Shiloh for about 360 years afterwards. And then eventually, then from there, there'll be a, a break, and then the temple will be built. So before we get into the actual idea of what is this building for, does it make sense? How do we understand this building? We'll get there. Let's talk about giving. Giving. You know, we all think of ourselves as givers, I hope. We all think of ourselves to whatever extent as being charitable, whether we have the wherewithal, whether we have the funds to give, whether we give our time. Volunteering is also giving. Right? To be a good person, we have to be a giving person. Not everyone is a giving person. So I was by a bar mitzvah this week, and the teacher got up and said a great story. I told the story, there's a man in a town, and uh, he just wouldn't give. You could stand on your head, you can beg and plead with him. He wasn't a poor man, but he wasn't a giving man. He just could not give. Okay, what are you going to do? One day he's out boating, and uh, he must have been by himself, and he uh, his boat either springs a leak or he falls off the boat, and he's thrashing in the water, and uh, two other... Uh, Guys fishing out there see him and they get their boat over there and they they say, Give me your hand. 
I will pull you into the boat. Give me your hand. And the guy says, give. I don't give. And he's thrashing and he's drowning and up and down. He says, come on, what are you out of your mind? Give me your hand. We'll take care of you. God, I don't give. I don't give. Give is not part of my lexicon. That was a good word, right? Give is not my language. So finally, one of the guys in the boat figures out, take my hand. Take. <laughs> take I can do. He takes the guy's hand. They pull him into the boat. Um, obviously, fairly foolish fellow, to say the least. But, but there are people like that, that they can't give. They can take. We all know how to take that. We're all good at taking. And little children are very good at taking. You know what? There's a lot of adults that are also pretty good at taking. Parents are good at giving because that's what parenting is all about. Parenting is all about giving to our children. So you become a parent. You have that. You you are forced. I hope um, to. If you're not good at giving, you become good at giving when you become a parent. That's what parenting is all about. We give, 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 and we know uh, we may never get anything in return. I mean, we hope kids should love us. We should uh, grow up together. They'll take care of us when we're older. Maybe people think. But but parents give, but people take. You know, there was a um, a great story it happened in Denver. Um, there was a very wealthy man. He wasn't really charitable, and before he died, um, the the um, head of the school and they needed a donation. Again, this is a long long time ago. Fifty thousand dollars would have built them a. Uh, I don't know if it was a high school wing. I can't remember exactly what they needed, but some sort of building. Right nowadays, add a couple of zeros. And he went to the guy, and they were talking, and, you know, this is the end of your life, and this is your chance, this is your ticket into, into the next world. And the man says to the rabbi, he says, Rabbi, my brain is with you. My intellect says, yes, write the check. My hand can't do it. I can't, I can't write it. And soon after he passed away, lost opportunity. So with all that in mind, giving, taking, a very interesting verse. God says to when it's for time for his to collect for the building of the tabernacle, the verse says, they will take for me a donation. A very funny phrase. Why is God saying they will take for me? God should say they will give. What take? He's asking for donations. What do you mean take? And to say that it means that they're going to bring stuff with them, that's called taking. It seems a little a little strange. It's possible that's what it means, but not for what I'm looking for. So I think it's really, you know, God is trying to help us out. God says like this, you need to make donations to build the tabernacle. And God says, I want everyone involved in the process each person on his level. Now, you got to remember, where do you think they got all this gold and silver from in the first place? When we left Egypt, we borrowed gold and silver and, and clothes and materials and stuff. So, it, you know, it's... And by the Red Sea, after the splitting of the Red Sea, you know, the, the Egyptian army's been uh, destroyed and drowned and, and all this gold and jewelry is uh, washing up onto the seashore. So it's not like we sat and worked to earn this for the last 50 years. We were slaves last uh, whatever it was, 190 years. Okay, 
you want to call that payment, you could do it. You call if you want, but that's not the point. Right? So we have all this gold and silver and copper and, 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 and materials and wood and stuff, which we'll talk about maybe. So God says, I know it's hard to give. I know it's hard to give. I'm going to help you. Even though I want all the donations to be that you want to donate, I'm not. there's no forced tax over here. There's just proclamations that will go out. This is what we need. Whoever wants, donate. All fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God still wants to make it easier for everybody. So here's the deal. Just remember, God says, everything is mine. Everything is mine. So you're basically taking what belongs to me and giving it to me. So take for me a donation. In other words, don't look at it if it's hard for you. Don't look at it like you're the one that's being so magnanimous, which is anyways part of the attitude. It's not your money anyways. It's all God's money. So it's all God's money anyways. You're just taking what God gave you and giving it back to God. Like, what's the big deal? So first of all, it's an attitude to help you give if you have a hard time giving. And second of all, even if you have an easy time giving, also you don't have to pat yourself on the back because all you did was take God's money and give back to him. Like, what's the big deal? Fine. So this was just an intro that I wanted to talk about, this idea of giving, this idea of taking, this idea of charity. I think it's important. It's, and I think that's what the Torah wants to point out to us at the beginning of this week's Torah portion. But what I want to spend, you know, the rest of our time on, and hopefully we can clarify, um, is is this whole concept of building a tabernacle. Why are we building a tabernacle? What is the purpose of the tabernacle? God needs a house. Right? God is a sp- spiritual. God is everywhere. It says God made space to create the world. Again, whatever that means. God doesn't need my house. I'm not even building, it's not even a big building, right? Like this Mishkan, this tabernacle building is all of 60 feet long, uh, 20 feet wide, 20 feet high, approximately. Could be a little smaller than that even. There, It's split in two. In the back third is the ark with the, with the tablets. In the front room is the is the menorahs, the candelabra, and the, the table with the showbread and a golden altar. Like, that's it, right? So it's not a very big place. So w- w- what's it for, right? That's problem number one. What, what, what exactly is the purpose of this house, right? It, it's, and no matter if you say the guy needs a big house, right, like how big? Right? How are you going to make it? There's actually a verse that says the, the heaven is God's throne and the earth is God's footstool. So what are you going to do with this little building? Like, what, what, what is the point? And it's another problem. Assigning a physical uh, anything to God is idol worship. Part of the problem with idol worship is you are creating a statue and saying, I, this is how I'm praying to God. We don't need or use physical things to pray to God. So what exactly is the purpose of this building? So now, a lot of the answers, a lot of things we're going to discuss are really all in the same 
vein, the same understanding, the same concept, but there's different names and different thoughts, so it'll give us an idea. So again, our main concern over here is, why do I need a building to serve God? God is everywhere. I can pray wherever I feel like. I'm good to go. We have beautiful synagogues and temples, and what do I need this for? God is everywhere. Well, you think God is only in temple? You think God is only in the synagogue? You think God is only in the study hall? So and it's to go ahead and say we, we need to create a tabernacle because that's where God hangs out. What do you mean? But God is over the whole world, right? This is, this is the problem we have to deal with. Why do I need a tabernacle? Why do I need a synagogue? Right? Everybody, yeah, Jewish life, revolves around synagogue, very nice. But why? What, what's, what's going on? Why is this part of the process? So the Chinuch, a very interesting book, he, taught, he actually explains the 613 commandments. He explains what the commandment is, who's responsible for the commandment, some of the details of the commandment, um, some of the reasonings for the commandment. That is this Sefer, this book called the Chinuch. So he says, the problem is like this. We are physical beings. We need something tangible. We need something concrete. We need something we can put our hands on. Crying, praying, it doesn't do it for us. It's important, but it doesn't do it for us. Actions work for us. So what is, in other words, and others will say similar to this, by the way. In other words, in the temple, they would bring sacrifices. Why do you bring sacrifices? I don't worship his sacrifices. You think God needs my sacrifice? What's God need my sacrifice for? What is what is the value of my sacrifice? God's not eating the meat. He doesn't care about the meat. He doesn't care what goes on the altar. He doesn't care the blood is is thrown against the wall. What do we need all this for? And so one of the basic answers they give is God doesn't need it at all. It's all for me. I need something physical. Just being spiritual for me is not good enough. I see that sheep being slaughtered. I'm thinking, I sinned. I should be the one slaughtered. My blood should be thrown against the wall. I should be burnt to a crisp for, for rebelling against God. In other words, I need to take the physical, I need to take the spiritual and in some shape or form do something physical so it feels real to me. That's what I need. I'm a regular human. I'm a physical being. I don't relate enough to spirituality. There may be those select individuals in the world that, yeah, they get spirituality. They're completely spiritual. Jacob, right? Yaakov, you know, he was fully spiritual. But again, for most of the world, for most of us regular human beings, physical beings, we need to be able to touch and feel. That's how God made us. He took our Neshama, he took our soul, and he put it inside our physical body. Through physical body, we have the ability to do kindness, to study Torah, to do the commandments, to follow what God wants, to help others, to give charity. That's how I earn my reward for the world to come. That's fine. But God took the spirit, the soul, the Neshama, he put it into my physical body. So he's made me a physical person. I need to do physical stuff in order that I connect to that spirituality, okay? 
So therefore, of course, I don't need really my temples, my synagogues, my tabernacles, my temples. But this is the way I can connect to God. I need physical to connect to God, to relate to God. So therefore, I can have a building and God's presence will come to that building and I can pray there and I can bring my sacrifices there. That works for me. I can't have an idol, right? God has to, you know, it's because it could be so confusing, right, that I'm busy saying I need something physical, which is part of the problem with the golden calf, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. But because as a human I need physical stuff, how far does it go? How far do I, can I do physical things so I can have a building? God's presence will be in the building. God will put some vessels in that building. But idols, to bow down and say this idol is the intermediary to help me pray and connect to God, that God says you can't do. Because then you'll completely forget that God is a completely spiritual being. That, so you can't, you can't have the idol. That's what a line gets drawn. And that's going to help us in our next segment when we talk about the, uh, the Kruvim and the Cherubs. We'll talk about that, but not right now. Okay. A second reason. So again, by the way, so let's review because I want to take it slow. I want it to sink in. So yeah, we go to synagogue and pray. We go to temple and pray. We, we think we're going to meet God in synagogue and temple. Now, that's not really true. I could, God is everywhere. But it helps me connect. It says, okay, I'm going to temple. I'm going to synagogue. I'm going to pray. I am connecting with God because I need that, that physical something to, to help me relate. Fine. A second reason why we needed a tabernacle is, um, is to show the world that we were forgiven for the sin of the golden calf. Now, we're a little bit out of order because the, the, the next two Torah portions talk about the tabernacle and the priests and the clothing that the priests would wear. Then, when we get three weeks from now to the Torah portion called Kisisa, then we get to the golden calf. And then Moses comes down with the tablets, and then Moses breaks the he breaks the tablets, and and he tells the Jewish people about uh, the tabernacle, and we're going to collect for the tabernacle and build the tabernacle. This just seems the command to Moses, so it does seem to be a little bit out of order, which is a good question, and we're not going to worry about it right now. So the Svarnois, and that's I'm sorry. So another reason why we need a Mishkan is the Mishkan says, the world says, oh, you sin, you do the golden calf, God is angry at you, we want something to do with you anymore, he's gotten rid of you. So we say, no, it's true, we sinned, we did the golden calf, but God says, I'm bringing my presence into your midst. You're going to build this tabernacle, I'm bringing my, my presence down, I'm going to reside in this tabernacle. So the world was trying to say, God is done with you because you sinned by the golden calf. And we say, no, look, you see, God is not done with us. He let us uh, build a tabernacle. He said this is how he's uh, going to connect with us. And I was according to this, it is possible that if not for the sin of the golden calf, we wouldn't have needed a tabernacle. We were on such a high spiritual level after we received the Torah, after the revelation on Mount Sinai. We were on such a spiritual level, we connected spiritually without all the physical stuff. We dropped like a stone. We sinned by the golden calf. So therefore, that, uh, that original level 
of connecting completely spiritually was out the window. We need to be more physical. Fine. So God will build a will allow us to build a tabernacle, a mishkan, a temple, a synagogue, and that's how we can connect to God. Fine. That is answer number two. And time is flying, and I am trying to get through as many answers as possible. But again, I'd rather it be clear and not actually hit all of them. Um, the Sverno says in a similar vein that we all relate that God is up in heaven. So we need to, to be able to connect that God is coming down to this world. Or actually, God is in this world. That God's presence is in this world. Um, one of the things that uh, philosophers for sure say, others say, yeah, there's a God. God lives in heaven. You think God knows what I'm doing down here? You think God cares what I'm doing over here? Eh, God's not interested in what's going on down here. No. By building a tabernacle, we are teaching the world, ourselves included, that God is not only in heaven. God is down here on earth also. And God does care what's going on, which is all part of belief in, in God and creation of the world, which we've talked about in the past, but that's what the Sarani says. There's a fascinating Rambam, Maimonides, really in what's called Maimonides in his book on philosophy. Somehow lately I've been doing a lot of stuff talking to people also about the, the Maimonides, the Maimonides book on philosophy, which I've never opened, and I probably wouldn't even understand what he was talking about, because philosophy is not my thing. I told somebody yesterday, I have a friend who uh, took philosophy in Yale, and uh, then he went to Israel, and uh, he was a study partner of mine for a couple of years. His name was Jeremy. And he actually wrote a book on philosophy. So years later, he was visiting in Detroit, and I said, Jeremy, ah, let me buy your book. It's not a big book, 120, 130 pages, he says, says see. It's not your language. You're not going to like it. No, no. You know how we all are. No, Jeremy, I'd love to have it. Give it to me. I'll, I'll read it. So I said I would read it. He didn't want to give it to me. I bought it. It was one of the most painful things I ever read. And as usually if something is painful, I don't bother. Like, why continue? But I said I was going to read it. It's just, it's a different way of thinking. But anyways, okay, fine. So Maimonides says that, and this sort of takes us full circle to what we said before. Like, what's this whole, the whole deal with uh, sheep and sacrificing and blood and and all these things we do and burning it on the altar, like like what gives? That's you know that's old fashioned stuff. That's for for people from thousands of years ago. Did idol worship? What are we doing that for? So Maimonides says that the same concept. We start out. We are physical beings. We need to do physical stuff in order that we can relate to God and spirituality. But. That is not the end all. That's just the beginning. So at the beginning, I don't understand how to repent. I don't understand how to connect spiritually. So I need to do physical things so that I can connect spiritually with God. Great. So I'll bring my sacrifice and I'll slaughter the animal. We'll take the blood. We'll take the pieces. And we'll, we'll burn it. We'll barbecue it. But at some point, the goal is to get past that. At some point, the goal is to get to a point where I can go ahead and be fully spiritual without having to worry about the whole business. That's my goal. That's where I'm aiming at. There is a, um, it is interesting, by the way. Um, the verse says that uh, God says, build a tabernacle, 
Veshachanti b'seicham, and I will dwell in their midst. Uh, it should be I'll dwell in its midst in the tabernacle. No, build a tabernacle, sacrifice, do all the stuff you're supposed to do, and then God says I'll be in you. Because again, first of all, it's like Maimonides that the the end goal is that I should go ahead and become spiritual and connect to spirituality. But I got to start somewhere. I got to start with something physical. After I start with something physical, then no problem. I can move on to the uh, to the spiritual. And with that, there's an Abarbanel, and I'll end with that. My last couple seconds over here. The Abarbanel says it's all symbolic, right? It's Again, it's to show us that God resides in this world, but not just in this world, but God actually resides in our midst. And the music is playing. So I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David, Kelsey, Alan, and I know someone else is back there, and I can I think it's Alex. I just can't remember what his name is. But I'm going to find out for my next show. I hope you have blessed food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and Adam's Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we 